Welcome to the Election Ride Home for Friday, November 15th, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Higgins, with a summary of election news. Today, Bloomberg is about to spend big attacking Trump. A new poll tells us about Bloomberg's national numbers. Bevin officially concedes in Kentucky. Booker says he doesn't want the new pro-Booker super PAC. The Trump impeachment stuff in five minutes or less. Which candidates still need to qualify for December's DNC debate? And how to watch next week's November DNC debate. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. First up, although Michael Bloomberg has not technically announced his candidacy, at least not at the moment I say these words, he has announced a very remarkable advertising campaign. In a story for the New York Times by Shane Goldmacher, we learn that he's about to drop the biggest ad spend of the campaign. Reading from the Times, quote, Michael R. Bloomberg has still not declared whether he is running for president in 2020. He is about to become the single biggest spender in the presidential race anyway. Ahead of a potential campaign announcement, Mr. Bloomberg, the billionaire businessman and former mayor of New York City, is beginning a $100 million digital campaign designed to attack and define President Trump in the top battleground states, seen as likely to decide the 2020 election. The ads will go online on Friday in four states, Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin and run through the end of the primary season, even if Mr. Bloomberg is not in the race. In a twist, Mr. Bloomberg himself will not be featured in the ads beyond legally required disclaimers, even as he actively lays the groundwork for a campaign, his advisors said. The $100 million ad buy will be in addition to whatever Mr. Bloomberg may spend on efforts to promote himself to become the Democratic nominee. End quote. For context, the article goes on to explain that President Trump has already spent $27 million on Facebook and Google ads alone. His campaign has well over $150 million in cash on hand and is rapidly raising more. But this move by Bloomberg tops all the spending we've seen so far, and it's just the beginning. The other key context for all this is that Bloomberg spent roughly $100 million, the same number, on the 2018 midterm elections, so this level of spending is not new for him. However, spending it now, preemptively and without his name prominently attached, is a move that many Democrats will welcome. One final note on this to explain why Bloomberg is targeting four specific states. If a Democratic presidential candidate ends up with the same exact electoral map as the 2016 election in 2020, flipping any three of the four targeted states would swing the election. While we're talking Bloomberg, a new Reuters slash Ipsos poll is out. This poll is notable because it covers a large nationwide sample over the period from Tuesday through Thursday this week. So by the way, yes, expect polls to start coming out far more frequently as we get closer to Iowa. Okay, so this poll has a margin of error of plus or minus 3.6% among Democratic voters, and that's who we care about most for the Democratic primary. Bloomberg gets 3% of Democratic voters nationally, which is pretty rough, but not absolutely terrible. 
If that holds up in other polls, both nationally and in early voting states, then Bloomberg has a narrow path to at least show up in the debates at some point. Can he win? Well, I don't see any data indicating that now. But he's not even technically running yet. So the big picture here is Bloomberg has some support nationally according to one recent poll. It's not strong support, but it's something. This poll did not include Deval Patrick, though I expect to see polling with Patrick in the coming days. Here's a follow-up to last week's election in Kentucky. As I reported last week, Kentucky Governor Matt Bevin refused to concede the race on election night. Instead, he asked for a re-canvas, which is a quick kind of retally of the vote without the full expense and time of an official recount. Remember that this election was decided by roughly 5,000 votes in favor of Democrat Andy Bashir. Well, the re-canvas is complete, the outcome did not change, and a variety of Republicans publicly suggested that Bevin should concede. He went ahead and did that yesterday morning. Outside his office, he told reporters, quote, Politics was never intended to be a career for anybody, nor should it be. I truly want the best for Andy Bashir as he moves forward. I genuinely want him to be successful. I want the state to be successful. End quote. Bashir will be sworn in as the 63rd governor of Kentucky on Tuesday, December 10th. And here's a kind of quirky story. This morning, writing for CNN, Rebecca Buck reported that a new super PAC called United We Win had committed to spending $1 million to help Senator Cory Booker reach the December DNC debate stage. Now, we'll talk more about the polling on that debate later in today's show. Reading from CNN, quote, United We Win, which was formed Wednesday with the backing of New Jersey-based Democratic donors and consultants, is supported by individuals who know Corey and have seen the transformative impact that has been made by his leadership and dedication to doing what's right, from Newark to Washington, said Philip Swabinski, a spokesperson for the group. The Super PAC made a splash Thursday with an initial digital ad buy of more than $154,000 nationally. The group plans to spend $1 million over the next month, Swabinski said, with digital ads geared toward attracting small-dollar donors to help Booker meet the DNC's threshold for the next debate. End quote. Okay, right on, another super PAC is in the game. After all, Joe Biden has one, so why not? Well, Washington Post reporter Dave Weigel apparently asked Booker this morning what he thought about this new group. Booker's response, quote, I do not want super PACs in this race for anybody, including me. End quote. Okay, so then Buck, who broke the news in the first place, tweeted back, quote, For what it's worth, the group's spokesperson told me they wouldn't change course even if Booker publicly rejected their help. End quote. And that goes right back to the explainer I did about PACs versus Super PACs back on the October 29th episode of this show. That's the weird thing about a Super PAC. You can tell them to stop, but they do not have to. Link to that show in the show notes in case you're curious. Okay, it's time to commit. 
2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. And now the impeachment news in, well, let's just say five minutes or less. We're going to go slightly long this time. Today, former U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine Marie Ivanovich testified in open hearings in the House. Right before she appeared, the White House released yet another summary of a different phone call between President Trump and then-President-elect Zelensky of Ukraine. I have read that summary, and to be frank, there is nothing notable about that call. There's a link in the show notes if you want to read it, but let's move on. As Yovanovitch began testifying today, it was clear that Trump was watching. We know this because he began tweeting about the proceedings and criticizing the witness. This was a bit unexpected because part of the testimony was specifically about how the witness had allegedly been the subject of a smear campaign by Rudy Giuliani, the president's lawyer. She was also the subject of negative comments by the president himself, and at times she had feared for her own safety because of this. After the president's tweets went out, somebody printed them and Chairman Adam Schiff passed them around the room while the testimony continued. So I'm going to play a clip here. I think this is the best summary of today's hearing you're going to get. This manages to combine the witness's professional history, some specific context around her testimony today, plus a notable event that happened in real time and very well may lead to a new article of impeachment. Daniel Goldman, the lawyer for the Democrats, speaks first, then Yovanovitch replies, then Schiff speaks and Yovanovitch speaks some more. Listen in. So let me see if I get this... Right. You were one of the most senior diplomats in the State Department. You've been there for 33 years. You've won numerous awards. You've been appointed as an ambassador three times by both Republican and Democratic presidents. And the State Department would not issue a statement in support of you against false allegations because they were concerned about a tweet from the President of the United States? That's my understanding. Well, if I could follow up on that question, it seems like an appropriate time. Um, Ambassador Ivanovich, uh, as we sit here testifying, the president is attacking you on Twitter. Um, and I'd like to give you a chance to respond. I'll read part of one of his tweets. Everywhere Marie Ivanovich went turned bad. She started off in Somalia. How did that go? Uh, he goes on to say, uh, later in the tweet, is a U.S. president's absolute right to appoint ambassadors. First of all, uh, Ambassador Ivanovich, 
The Senate has a chance to confirm or deny an ambassador, do they not? Yes, advise and consent. But would you like to respond to the President's attack that everywhere you went turned bad? Well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I have such powers, uh, not in Mogadishu, Somalia, Somalia, not in other places. I actually think that um, where I've served over the years, um, I and others have demonstrably um, made things better, you know, for the U.S. as well as for the countries uh, that I've served in. Uh, Ukraine, for example, where there are huge challenges, including, you know, on the issue that we're discussing today of, of corruption. Huge challenges. But they've made a lot of progress since 2014, including in the years that I was there. And I think in part, uh, I mean, the Ukrainian people get the most, um, the most credit for that. But a part of that credit goes to the work of the United States and, um, and to me as the ambassador in, in, the United, um, in Ukraine. Ambassador, um, you've shown the courage to come forward today and testify. Notwithstanding the fact you were urged by the White House or State Department not to, notwithstanding the fact that, as you testified earlier, the President implicitly threatened you in that call record, and now the President in real time is attacking you, what effect do you think that has on other witnesses' willingness to come forward and expose wrongdoing? Well, uh, it's very intimidating. It's designed to intimidate, is it not? I, I mean, I can't speak to what the president is trying to do, but I think the effect is to be intimidating. Well, I want to let you know, Ambassador, that some of us here take witness intimidation very, very seriously. Moments later, Senator Kamala Harris tweeted part of that clip and wrote, quote, witness intimidation is a crime, end quote. And next up, a quick check on who has qualified for the December DNC debate. Right now, that list is pretty slim. It's just Biden, Buttigieg, Harris, Klobuchar, Sanders, and Warren. However, there are three candidates who are on the cusp of making it, and technically, given the volume of new polling coming out, there could be some kind of new rising star effect, where somebody with zero polls, like Booker or Patrick or Bloomberg, somehow makes it to four polls and gets in real quick at the last minute. Reading from a Twitter thread by Zach Montalero of Politico, quote, we could have as many as five early state qualifying polls that count towards the December debate coming out this weekend. We know the Iowa-Des Moines Register poll is coming out on Saturday evening, and we'll have to wait and see what individual states CBS releases. So watch this space to see if Gabbard, Steyer, and Yang hit the December polling threshold. Gabbard and Steyer each need one poll and more donors, and Yang needs two polls. At this point, I think we're looking at all three qualifying for December. End quote. And if they all do qualify, that would mean nine people on stage. Last up this week, let's talk about next week's DNC debate. First up, date and time. 
It is Wednesday, November twentieth, from nine p.m. to eleven p.m. Eastern Time. Now, for our international listeners, the start time is actually o two hundred hours UTC on Thursday. The debate is hosted by the Washington Post and MSNBC. The four moderators will be Rachel Maddow, Andrea Mitchell, Kristen Welker, and Ashley Parker. The event will be held at Tyler Perry Studios in Atlanta. Okay, so how can you watch this thing? Well, it will air on MSNBC on cable. Plus, it will stream on MSNBC.com and WashingtonPost.com, and it will show up on the NBC and Washington Post apps for iOS, Android, Roku, Apple TV, Chromecast, and probably some other stuff I'm forgetting. I have not seen any info on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter streaming, though that might pop up early next week, and I will let you know. At the moment, though, it looks like you're going to need an app of some sort, or a browser, or you know, cable. And next up, we do have debate bingo. It is the first link in the show notes. Again, we have 30 randomized bingo cards, and they show the podium order across the top. There are 10 candidates debating on Wednesday, and none of them are new to the stage. Though the two candidates we will miss from last time are Julian Castro and Beto O'Rourke. A quick note on debate bingo: I am not going to do live Twitter coverage this time around. Instead, HQ will be focused on making the next day's roundup show while we are watching. But never fear, the cards are there, the hashtag is there, and y'all are free to tweet as you wish. So take it away, my bingo playing buddies. Well, that is it for one more episode of the Election Ride Home. I have been your host, Chris Higgins. You can always find me on Twitter at Chris Higgins. Long week again, right? One thing that jumped out at me today was the effect of Twitter on the news cycle. We had news breaking and candidates reacting, and the president reacting, and reporters reacting to candidates and to one another, all happening in real time. When I was a kid, we thought the cable TV news cycle was way too fast. Well, at this point, my head is just on permanent spin. As always, thanks for listening, and I will talk to y'all on Monday. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.